the guys over from whether it be Chicago, New York, Miami, San Francisco. We brought people over that played the style of music that we believe worked well. Would you have thought you could have done it without the Americans? No. Why? We would have just been like any other club in the country. What made us different and what set us above, in my opinion, what was going on generally, was the fact that we were different. We were, we, we were a club. We were a club of, full of people that went for one specific type of music. So when you get a club, this is how I best describe it. If you get a club full of tourists, right, some like this type of music, some like that type of music, some like this DJ, some like that DJ. They're all a little bit different, right? And on the dance floor, silly as it sounds, that little bit of difference is evident. Do you understand? Yeah. Whereas when you specialise in a certain type and a certain style played by a certain DJ, if everyone in that club are there for that and that alone, the difference is unbelievable because you've got total connection. You've not got some guy in the corner not bit, not, not feeling it because he would rather have that style of music and they're not feeling it in the middle and they're not feeling it there, but they're feeling it and they're feeling it. No, 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 no. When you're on the dance floor at half times, everybody's feeling it because they're all there for that very, very same purpose. And that's when you get, you see a shift, right? You see a massive shift. You can stand back and you can watch the dance floor being full of people who can hear the music change to mm-hmm. a dance floor full of people who can feel the music. Right. When you get that change and that shift, right, then that's when you get that unbelievable atmospheric it's unbelievable just looking it's just you might have a thousand people but you've got one mass they're all the same they're all there for the same reason they've all made the journey for the same reason they all connect with that type of music so the hacienda was a changing for you the hacienda was the change over you right without the hacienda no hard times. Did you achieve that when you saw the crowd, that same feeling as you did at the Hacienda? It went beyond. It went beyond. Because, because it's like this. I'm in love with what we did. I'm in love with the, mu- with the music. I'm in love with everything that we did. So when you witness what you love, the feeling and the reward is immense and unrivaled. It, it, it can't be beaten. If, if, if you're in love with the money, you're only happy when you're counting it at the end of the night. That, that's not what we were about, right? We were in love with the night. That's the difference. 
So did we achieve and did I feel a greater level of achievement, a greater level of pride, a greater feeling of reward and, yeah, beyond beyond explanation, to be fair. I mean, listen, the things that we have achieved are immeasurable in our eyes. Do they stack up to what people are doing today with big events? Probably not, no, but we're not. We're talking about a different era. We're talking about every step we made was a new step. We ain't got history to teach us here. We are the history. Do you get that, don't you? We haven't got a book that says, this is what happened and this is how you do it. We did what we believed. If it didn't work out, we didn't do it again. But that was our, our teachings were our own. Right? The industry was in its infancy. We were all we were all venturing on a journey that had never been made before. And that's what made it so special. And that's why in my heart, it has I believe it has to be remembered. When I look at look, I look at things today on Facebook, on Instagram. And I see, I see DJs, if that's what, right, that know more about and believe it's all about how they look instead of how they play. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry. It's, n- it's not for me. Um, people need to be in love with the music. If you love the music... As much as you love the money, if you love the music as much as you love the image, then that to me is what is what it should be. Sure. There's far too much attention paid to do I look right. I mean, here, how the hell, in my opinion, can you put two records together, right? Mm-hmm. Whilst you're dancing. With a drink in one hand, right, and looking in a mirror or smoking a fag in the other. I'm not being funny, right? I'm not being funny, right? <laughs> the masters at work came and played our first birthday party. Unbelievable. With four decks, two mixers, right? Now, don't talk to me about some scantily dressed whatever, right? Larging it behind a behind a flipping couple of pieces of equipment standing on a on a sandwich table, right? Whilst you're drinking your gin and tonic and smoking a cigarette. No, I ain't wearing it. Uh, uh, it's not. It, it nowhere near. It's like it's like getting Van Gogh right to paint a picture and giving him a dot to dot paint by numbers. It's not. It doesn't add up. So, you know, I, I'm coming from a time when there was a genuine skill. You know, when when you had three boxes of records that you had to thread together to put a musical journey together that was totally unique, right? Because it has to be unique because you've no idea how the crowd's going to respond, at what point you're going to, Introduce that record. 
Don't talk to me about turning up with a USB and sticking it in and it's going to be a good night. No, I'm not wearing it. It's not. It's not. We're just playing it. We're playing at it. We're going through a process. It's not. It's not a nowhere near, right? The as a level of skill, know-how, and achievement. And that's why the nights were so memorable, because they're all so individual. No two nights the same. It can't be, because the club's full of different people that react differently at a different time. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, listen, some of the nights that we had, um, Huddersfield, first birthday. I mean, listen, we've got we've got we've got Kenny and Louie on four decks and two mixers. We've got other, I mean, we've got Kenny Carpenter, we've got that hot, right? Kenny stripped down to his underpants. <laughs> In fact, if you ever speak to Kenny Carpenter, say to him that Steve Rain said, Kenny, do you remember stripping down to your underpants because it was that hot and playing at hard times? <laughs> but and the sweat were dripping, you know, DJ. I mean, these that's were memorable that's a night. That's a great, great night when it's like that. Great. That's 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 a night. That's how I remember your party. That's how I remember it. Yeah, I mean, listen, these were these were these were the word is party. These were parties. They weren't. What can I say? They weren't. They weren't modeling exercises. There weren't places to go to stand so everybody could see what you were wearing and how you looked, right? There were places to go and have a dance and have a good time. And forget the hard times that you may have had all week, right? You certainly weren't having them on a Saturday night in our club. Sure. And that's, and that's, and that's how, and that's how and where and why we were... We were where we were where we were, and and I mean, look, that that progression, it's just an organic process. We didn't invest any more money. We didn't go on a massive marketing campaign. It's like anything else. Gen gradually over a period of time, it picks up its own momentum. Yep. And um, and I mean, listen, DJs were coming and playing and. They were obviously going back and saying, Fool, you know, we've just been to hard times. It's happening. People were coming. And, you know, I mean, look, at the time, like I say, even the term super, I mean, I, I remember the first ever time I, I heard the term super club. What's a super club? Yeah. The term super club, the first time I ever heard it referred to, in that context, right, was at the Manchester Music Seminar, and um, Cream would um, hold a conversation, a discussion. And they would use the the term "super club." Wow! And and I always maintain we were the most super unsuper club ever. We never ever. Wanted to label ourselves as a super club. We were. We never saw ourselves as a super club. We weren't a big money making machine like the ministry. 
and and and, and other clubs. We were we were a club that ran from week to week, with the ethos never changing, all about the music, not about the bank balance. Yeah, wait a minute! Wait 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 wait! Let me show you how super club this man really was. Check this out. Everybody in house music at that time was at this party in Bagley's in London. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Lenny. Clubs, biggest club in London, he fills it. Well, right. I'll tell you how that came about, Lenny. I'll tell you how that came about. We'd, we'd gone to Huddersfield and, our, and obviously our, our success had, had grown and grown. At the time... Um, in London, the Ministry of Sound were the super club. Not just in London, you know, I mean, listen, this is the Ministry of Sound, a big machine, big money-making machine, the Ministry of Sound. Um, we were just four mates. We were just four mates. No big backing. No... Nothing of any depth behind us, money-wise. We were just four mates, right? Um, so I wanted to do something a bit different. We wanted to do something and make a statement. We wanted to do something that we we believed represented in one in one go what we were all about. Forget Creamfields, forget. Any other festivals, they hadn't happened. They were they weren't even dreams, right, at that time. But the minister, but we decided we wanted to try. There was a venue called Bagley's Film Studio that held bits of events. And I went to see him. And I said, we want to hold an, an event. And he said, Well, which room do you want? I said, I want them all. And I came up with the idea. Bagley's Film Studios is in a part of London called King's Cross. Now, now it's all cleaned up, but at the time, big housing problem. A lot of homeless people on the streets. Sad to see. So I put an advert, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get the advert. I'm gonna get you the advert. So just bear with me a second. I'm just gonna get you the advert. Right. I put an advert in the in the London. In the London Times, right? Not in Mix Mag, in the London Times. And this, actually, this is, I'll show you. That's, I don't know whether you can see, but look, that's the advert. And that's it cut out from the actual paper itself, right? Oh, does this, what it says, is that it here? No, is that's, the, that's the running order of the DJs, but. If you go, just come through again. Come through to the mix mag ad, and the advert will be there. But what he says, I'll read this advert, and this—that's it. So if you can just focus in on that, look. So, so basically, this ad, this piece of paper, what we cut out, appeared in the London Times, and what it says is to let. That's like renting out to let. One night only, a detached film studio comprising of five spacious rooms. Now, there's a lot of homeless, right? So this is very relative, right? And it basically goes through 
each room and each room had its own name. Room one, the underground solution sound. Fully furnished with Tony Humphreys, Sanchez, DJ Disciple and Michael Watford. That's a fair room, isn't it? That's room one. And if you go through them, room two, Chicago Vibe, Maurice Joshua, Terry Hunter, Deborah Live and Lonnie Clark Live. Room three, the Strictly Rhythm Sound, Pierre, George Morell, Phil Cheeseman, Barbara Tucker Live. Room four, the New York Sound, Todd Terry, Kenny Dope, Louis Vega, Benji, Candelario, my good friend Dave Camacho, rest in peace, and CC Rogers live. Room five, Graham Park, Miles Holloway, our resident, Elliot Eastwick, our resident, and then we paid homage to the London scene, Ricky Morrison, Lyndon C, Phil Asher, God rest his soul, Rob Atkinson, Bobby and Steve. Now listen, you've got the house music industry there, this is one night only, under one room, never been done. We took the hard times dream and ethos, marched it into London, took over the biggest venue of its time in London for one night, took every room, put a sound system in it, and that's who played that one night. I went to Miami that, that spring with JP, who helped me put this together, Met Terry Hunter, who played a big part and helped me, and Benji. And I went to the Fontainebleau Hotel, and I went round everybody. They told them my dream about what I wanted to do and the event that Art Times wanted to put on. And would they buy into this dream and would they be a part of it? And gradually, a new, a new Kenny and Louis would come because they'd been part of our initial journey, a new Todd and a new Terry. But I gradually got the rooms full of the people that I believed were relative to that specific style. Nothing ever like this has been done. This is a total pioneering event, right? Yeah, listen, we can look at events now, right? There's just one after another, festival after festival. But yeah. None of that in place when we put this together. Mm. And remember this, we were just a little organisation up in the north of England, right? But we marched into London with our down and out party. That's what we called it, hard times down and out. We came out down and we went out, right? We donated all the profits to charity. And not a lot of people know that. We donated it to Shelter, right, which is the charity for the homeless. Oh wow! Okay, it was all done. If you look on the if you look on the ad, if you look on the mix mag, it says shelter, right? Um, that's what we did. DJ helped us with advertising and what have you. But we financed it ourselves. Um, but I mean, listen, this is a pioneering event, and when people people still message me today and say that. It changed. I've talked to Johnny D, right? Johnny, you know Johnny D. If you go to the picture, go to the picture, Lenny, of the lineup. 
Johnny D's there, look, sat on her case and moe. <laughs> and you can go through the list. And actually, unfortunately, you can just see Kenny Dope's hand on the right-hand side because he's just walking into the, into the shop. Johnny D's told me today, because I spoke to him today, that that to him is the most iconic picture that reflects the dance music industry ever. I bet that's I that's it there. It's there, right? That's the him that's that's the dance music industry there. In one night, in one room, under one roof, right? They all flew in, we did the party, and they all flew home, right? This is a pioneering event, never been done. Nobody there to tell us how to do it, nobody to show us what to do. Nobody to tell us what we could get wrong. And nobody to tell us what we should do right. We just we just had a belief. It was another dream, and we did it. And um, to be fair, that's probably in itself, that one single event, as one event only, our greatest achievement. Because Excuse me. nothing else... Has ever been done like it, ever. Not one night. I mean, look, we've got. I take my hat off to Southport. Saw weekender. They've, they've, you know, big lineups and what have you. But, but that's over a period of it. This is one night only. Get it wrong, right? You're smashed. You're finished. But we did it. We believed we could do it. And, um, and yeah, I mean, listen. Still to this day. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I spoke to, I, I'm, I'm, in co I'm in contact with quite a lot of the people that, that played that night, and they all say themselves to this day, and they played all over the world, that the one night that stands out among many nights, big nights, memorable nights, far bigger is that one night, because it was it was, it was the first of its kind. And I'm really proud to have done that, Lenny. You should be. Because yeah, we are. you know, talk about benchmarking. You benchmark something that didn't exist before on on a one. You put in most of New York or Chicago. Yeah, we did. We did. We actually that's what we did. And and I can remember. I mean, the pe the three people, the three people that should have been there that weren't there, right? Which is which I, I wish. Looking back, but didn't make it happen, right? We tried. Is Satoshi Tomi, David Mirage, and Frankie Knuckles? God rest his soul, right? I worked with Frankie. Frankie played on our second birthday, and he played on a number of other occasions. And I've had long chats with with Frankie Knuckles, and and yeah, what a man and and and, and a, a pioneer, a massive pioneer. I wish they'd looking back. They all said that the wished that's one party that they wished they could have played they would have they should have been there. Me too. <laughs> I only had five rooms. I only had five rooms. And so many hours. And so many hours. But but and you weren't at Miami that you actually <laughs> it wasn't Miami. You weren't at Miami. You weren't in my you weren't at Miami round that pool. And right. that party, that party. Although it was there, I went to Miami that year with the sole purpose 
of putting that together because I knew it was the only time I would ever get everybody together because trying to put that party together and going through each one independently and whoever were managing him or whatever, it would never have happened because there'd have been too much red tape, too many phone calls, too many could it work, could it not work, what well, is busy and this. So I knew I had it was one shot, right, one shot. Jumped on a plane, went to Miami and sold the dream. And I sold the dream round that pool at the Fontainebleau Hotel, right? And, and I came away, I came away with a list of people that all said yes. And they all, yeah, I mean, listen, that night, just prior to that picture being taken, we all had a meal. Can you imagine? I mean, this is the first time they'd all been together. They'd never, ever all been together. Never mind what we were doing. It was a first for them. They never had a gathering like that. It was like the who's who. If the plane had crashed, God knows what would have happened. The industry would have been in trouble. Yeah, but thank God that didn't happen. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't. <laughs> When, now, was that your first trip to America ever at that time? No. Um, no, it wasn't. It was my first trip to New York as a young man. Um, I mean, listen, prior to hard times, I'd done lots of things, tried my hand at lots of things. Um, quite a sport. I played rugby, which is the the tough man's American football <laughs> because we don't wear pads, right? Um, so I played rugby and I got invited to um, to go and stay with a friend who was living in Long Beach, California. Danny Lockwood is called, and he's still a very good friend of mine, and uh, he might even be watching tonight. Hi, Danny. Um, and um, he was living, I was a good friend of his dad's, to be fair, and, and, and um, yeah, they were lovely people and, and still are. But he went to live in, 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 um, in California, in Long Beach, and he, he had a magazine, and um, he invited me out, and I went and stayed in, um, in Long Beach, and I played rugby for, for a while. That was one of my trips to, to America. Um, I'd had trips before. I went and spent some time um, in um, in France. I lived in um, in Monte Carlo, um, but not living it up. Um, tried my hand at various things, and um, and yeah, but it was the first time I'd been to Miami, and it was the it was the first time I'd. I mean, look. Again, you've got to keep coming back to the fact that this was all new and that we'd no history. And so never I'd never even been aware that such a thing as the Miami Winter Music Conference existed. I mean, what was it? I'd no idea. My 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 life had never introduced me to the Miami Winter Music Conference. I'm glad it did. And I'm glad that I can say, I'm glad that I can say that I went. And experienced it. Um, I mean, it's brilliant. And like I say, the party stemmed from that winter music conference. Just going to move on just to something very quickly. 
the last party that we had planned uh, that we had to obviously cancel due to the, the virus, it took me 27 years, but I actually had a party planned for the Winter Music Conference in Miami. I think you've got the artwork for it. So it took me 27 years to get back to Miami. Um, so to cancel it was um, was very, very disappointing. And, um, and yeah, that I would have been in Miami two years ago holding my own party, um, but uh, it got cancelled. But, yeah, um, Miami played... Without the Miami Winter Music Conference, there would have been no Bagley's. And um, it was very important to the industry, remember. It was a gathering of everybody, all like-minded, all DJs, producers. Um, there was no... It was about our industry. Ah, look, music's progressed. It's split off in many genres, hasn't it? You know, we've got electronic, EDM, whatever it's called, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, within house music, we've got we've got all kinds of genres now. They've all got names. Very true. Um, me, I believe a good night's a night that plays a little bit of everything, to be fair. And the most cleverest DJs can do that, right? Um, I keep telling people when they say, oh, you've not got him on, have you? I mean, he plays this. I say, well, he might play here, but he won't play at ours because he'll understand that that – he, he, he's playing he's playing for us on a night in a club where he'll be able to be creative. They'll allow him to be creative as long as he does it in a creative way. It's like it's like anything else. A very clever DJ can take you on a wonderful journey that you didn't even know you'd been on. Mm. You get that, don't you? Sure, I do. I'm allowing that. You know, so um, so here's the question. We're gonna I'm gonna show the artwork in a second. You get the taste of Miami. You create the Bagley's. You've already running and hard times starting to get known because from the music, the the magazines, the biblical side of it, people are getting to know and 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 the DJs and it's like ethos. Anything starts to the more people talk about, especially in those days, word of mouth. So. Being educated and went to music conference, and that's driven on the record business, not really necessary in those days, the club business. You step into the record label business with an album now. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, this is how this is what this is how we saw this, right? You come to the club, you have a good time. It shuts, you go home, and they leave you, you leave the club behind. Yeah, you've got the memory. Yeah, but memories are like anything else. They are they have life expectancy and what have you. And we thought that the best way to take the club home with you, if you could, was by having it on your coffee table at home. So the club is always with you. And the best way to do that was by way of a record label. We always saw the record label 
as the best extension you could probably have of the club itself. As long as you stayed loyal and the Labour was loyal to what the club represented, there's no better way. And again, right, no Ministry of Sound record, Labour, none of this, right, we would be the first club to put together a record label that would run adjacent and parallel with the club itself. So, and for that purpose, we saw it as an extension of the club experience. So, we launched the record label at the same time we actually launched the Bagley's Party. And we went to the man who we believed had made a big contribution to our success. He played New Year's Eve at the first, for the very first time I met him at the very first club. And his ability stood out. And, um, and his understanding for me of, of the journey he, he gave to the people and allowed them to experience stood out. And that was Roger Sanchez. And um, and I just I just believed that he was a step on at the time. So we went to and and look, we Roger played for us, like I said at the New Year's Eve, he played for us at Huddersfield, and and uh, he was obviously hosting the underground solution room, room one at Bagley's. That's him with a blow-up sheep, which <laughs> which that picture was actually taken, I'll come back to it, is in, in downtown Brooklyn. And it became quite scary because while they were taking the pictures, right, he said, you don't really need to be caught in downtown Brooklyn in the back streets, right, with a blow-up sheep having your picture taken. It doesn't really work. But that they did, and they got away with it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you see, we went to Roger and... I said, look, I'm going to want to launch this label, Hard Times, the label, and we want to track. And listen here, I mean, look, he said, I'll make you a brand new track. And he did. And we launched the label with, for me, one of the most iconic tracks in the history of dance music. And if you look, and if you go on Roger's interviews, he's got it as his all-time best, and that's Roger Sanchez time to stop right what a track what a track right and that would be our very very first release on the album roger sanchez time to stop what well, i mean here i mean if you drop it now right it's still as relative so advanced right just a track not a big not a big sounding piano tune vocal right it's a track with very, very cleverly put together. Rocker's Revenge is actually taking a little riff from Rocker's Revenge, and it and it works so well. And um, and that would be our very first release. Would you have a problem with that with the Rocker's Revenge? No, what? we never heard a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, listen, it's a pity you can't play it, but because I mean, look. This track. Well, if I play it, Steve, you know what'll happen, right? Facebook will go. Koo. No, no, I guarantee. I guarantee. We own it. We, well, myself no, and Roger. No, it's not that. It's not. It's like if it's out there digitally, 
the, the distributors have the the airwaves, and it just Facebook sends copy. No, no, we've since we since re. I mean, listen, this was our, this was in physical form. No, we since re we've since remixed it right, and it's now available in digital form. And uh, Roger put down the original, and we had remixes with um, a number of people, and um, I think it actually went to number one on Traxos. To be fair, the second time around in digital format, no, we, we've no issue, we've no problems. It's all it's all fine, but um, but yeah, that was our first release. Time to stop, and and all of a sudden people said, "Hey, we've got a record. You know, there's a record label." I mean, remember this: we followed we followed time to stop with Todd Terry bounce to the beat. I mean, here. That's our second release, right, on this little label, this little independent. Look, we're never going to be defected. We're never going to be AMPM or Positiva or any of those big machines. We were just hard times the label, a little self-financed label that operated out of the, the monies that we generated from the club. We believed it was the right extension, right, of the club, it took the club into people's rooms, right? Mm -hmm. It meant that they could play the tracks. But I mean, look, you know, they were massive successes. Then I'm gonna the third release, Masters at Work. I mean, listen, our first releases was Roger Sanchez, Todd Terry, and then the Masters at Work, two hundred sheep. That's a story in itself. Kenny and Louis were in. Kenny and Louie were in Sam West's studio. You know, you had to go into studios in those days, right, to make these tracks. Real time, real effort, and real money. That's right. why the tracks were. That's why the tracks weren't throw away. That's why the tracks had real value and life. They had life. Not today, right, where tracks are worthless and have no value because, as then, as, as ones made. The minute it comes off production, it's it's past. It's historic because there's another one come off a piece of equipment that that replaces it. The, in those days, you had to go into a studio and make these tracks. So Kenny and Louis are in Sam West Studios in London, making me our third release, brand new. And I spoke to to Louis, and he said, "Where are you?" I said, I said, no, I didn't. I phoned Louis and I said, how's it going? He said, yeah, he said, it's gone well. He said, he said, it's a bit different. It's totally unique. I mean, listen, I mean, this, that 200 Sheep is a totally individual new track. It's never, it's just so different, way ahead of its time. And he said, yeah, we've, we've put something together. He said, what are you doing? I said, I've just bought 200. I was at a sheep auction. I said, I've just bought 200 Sheep. <laughs> Right, and that's and the track was called Two Hundred Sheep." Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> How the hell did what were you doing buying two hundred sheep while the well, sheep? It was sheep. It was the sheep. It was the sheep buying season, where you go and you buy your sheep for the follow. You know, to mate and breed lambs. And had gone to a sheep auction while Kenny and Louis were in the studio. I was buying sheep and I bought two hundred. <laughs> and I said to Louis. I said, how's it gone? This is, this is exactly how he went. He said, it's gone well. He said, what have you been doing? I said, I've just bought 200 sheep. <laughs> and that's 
that's how and this the 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 200 sheep track um at the time dj actually i've missed a really i'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna tell you this and then i'm just gonna tell you something i'm gonna come back to roger at, at the time dj magazine had cool cuts and they had charts where you you know where you the there the were dance music charts Pete Tong had his cool cut chart, which he said every Friday. Um, and obviously DJ had that was in DJ magazine and they mm -hmm. had the charts and obviously 200 sheet was number one. Um Todd Terry Bounce to the Beat was also number one. But the first story about time to stop and Roger was that. We were actually doing a party on the Friday that that Pete Tong did his show, right? And he did his charts, and on this, and we just posted out "Time to Stop," Roger. Um, you posted it out in the, the old days. You didn't press a button. You got your vinyl test pressings, and and you and you put them in a white sleeve and. You mailed them all out to all the DJs who then filled in forms and charted the DJs and then sent them all back and all the charts would be reckoned up and that's how you got your chart position, just the good old-fashioned way. And obviously they'd write if they liked it and what have you. So it's Friday night and we'd been invited to host a party at Cream. On a Friday, they had a party called Full On. And we were, we took over Cream that Friday, and we did it with Todd Terry. And um, so I'm sat just before we set off to drive over the M62, the breadth of the country to Cream, and I'm sat listening to Pete Tong. And it was our first ever record, right? So, look, you know... You, you think, you know, if we can get into the charts, it would be brilliant, right? Right. But you really, so I'm listening. So it starts at number 20 and it goes through from 20 to 10. No, no Roger Sanchez, no time to stop. And then we went from 10 down to five, right? I thought, nah, totally demoralised. We got down to number five and I thought, we're not, we're nowhere, we're not even chartered, right? So I went to get ready to go to Cream. So I went, had my shower, got dressed, came in and he got down to number three, right? So I thought, I'll just sit down and I'll listen to the show. Got to three, got to two, got to one. The debut release on the new label from Hard Times, number one, Roger Sanchez, Time to Stop. Can you imagine? Can you imagine, right? We set off to cream. I've just gone shivery even now, remembering that moment in my history where I'm sat in front of the radio and that's what I heard. And I set off to cream that night we floated to cream. We flew to cream on a magic carpet. It was that good a feeling, right? We took ourselves to cream with a number one track. 
our first ever release, Roger Sanchez, Time to Stop. And Todd Terry, in the main room, they had a golden, they had like a gold frame, picture frame, a big picture frame, with no picture in, and Todd Terry was behind it, right, on the decks. And he dropped Roger Sanchez, Time to Stop. And I'm on the stage, stood next to him. And the club went absolutely ballistic. It went off. The roof flew off nearly, right? And Todd looked at me and he just smiled. And he went, Steve Rain. <laughs> I'll never forget I'm it. Use this picture. Look at that. That's how it would be. He said, he said, Steve Rain. He said, look at that. And I've never, ever forgot. I mean, well, I did forget it for a minute, but I'll very quickly remember it. This is, this is, these are the momentous moments that you have in your memory, right, that you never forget. Just, I mean, look, just, that's that's just a momentous moment. So, yeah, um, those were the first three releases on the label. And then we went, you know, I mean, look, we, we worked with them. Um, we worked with Michael Watford, Terry Farley, Pete Eller, Robert Owens, Marshall Jefferson did that production. I mean, there were some brilliant, brilliant records that, that just one after another. And like I say, we weren't a big machine. We were just, just a little team. And um, these were all one-off projects, you know, that we tackled with, with real pride. There were... There were there were there were things that we wanted to do that we then tried to turn in reality. I'm not saying they all came off because they didn't. But when something like that comes off, and it comes from just being a thought, a, a hope, a dream, and then you actually physically stand in your club and listen to it being played, that's that's a big 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 return in terms of personal reward, personal achievement, massive. Um, we then progressed from the singles. We did the albums, obviously. We did the Todd, the Todd Terry, the, the A Night in the Life, and we did Roger Sanchez, the album. Both incredible albums um, that were judged on their own merits. Um, I mean, you know, people again message me today. They say, just put the album on. It's flipping brilliant. Todd, we went one step further and we, we, we did it, we believed, was the first ever live recording of an album that was put out. Um, Todd came. Did, do you, did you ever have anything to do with a, a keyboard player called Terry Berris? Yes, I know Terry. What? Terry came. Terry came with Todd. He brought his keyboards with him and um, we set everything up and um, recorded the whole night live. And um, I mean, this is a this is this is a massive attribute to this man. I mean, Todd's a personal friend and he's played a major part in our success. But he came and he played all night. And I can say this, that every single record he played that night from the first to the last were his own. I don't know another man who could do that. Seven hours of music. Every record he played was his own. 
from start to finish. That's a musical journey that's real personal, unique. And I still believe there isn't, and there isn't another man or another DJ or producer could actually do that. So it would be obvious that when we went to Ibiza, the first, the, the man who would open would be Todd. And there, I mean, that picture is taken in privilege um, in Ibiza. I'd always shied away from going to Ibiza, although we had done nights. Um, I'd never been. I usually ducked it. It, it. it didn't, at the time, first time round, it didn't appeal. I don't know why, and maybe it's a wrong decision that I made, but we made the conscious decision that the offers that we'd been given to go and do seasons in Ibiza, we didn't return down. Um, no other clubs went and had massive successes, but we decided not to go. We concentrated on what was nearer to our belief and that was that was our club at home, and that's where we stuck. We did host nights, um, the Ministry of Sound, um, gave us one-offs, which we went and did, and but me myself I never went. So to be offered the chance to go to Ibiza the second time around, when I'd done nothing for fifteen years, um, realistically, it was like our opening night in Murfield. It should never have happened because you know there's a lot of competition out there. These well, long established nights. So for little old us to turn up to Ibiza and try and pull a season off after being asleep for 12 years was a was a was a task that to be fair, yeah, that that that's the ad was a task that and was almost impossible. You're taking on privilege, which is a major club and not easy to pack. I mean, here, listen, there were other when privilege was at its best. There weren't the clubs that were that they are now. I mean, privilege is a little bit dated, to be fair, but that's not being disrespectful to privilege because I'm glad and I'm glad of the opportunity they gave us. But yeah, we were offered a season in Ibiza, and I just thought to myself, well, you know, I might never get another chance. And I took the view in the way I sometimes am: sink or swim, let's do it. The same ethos from the very beginning. If you wrote all the pluses and the minuses down, okay. it shouldn't have happened. Steve, tell but, it, tell us what it's like. Now, you're a UK, you know, your home is in the UK. So if you're going to do a full season in Ibiza, are you living in the UK or did you make a move to, the, to, to be the whole spring, summer, fall in Ibiza? Well, luckily, luckily, the people that put it on for us, um, they were living in Ibiza. Um, and so they were there all the time. And um, I had, I mean, listen, I was offered the facility to go and stay in Ibiza throughout the whole season, but I've got my animals. And 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 to be fair, I have to have balance, Lenny, um, in my life. Farming is as much of a passion, and it might be hard to believe, as, as this industry, I have to have I'm the ultimate Gemini, to be fair. There are two Stephen Reigns. There's me here sat talking about my love of music, my love of dance music, my love of putting on events and, and, and the record label 
that I'm as equally passionate about. And, 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 and that's as evident, surely, from listening to me that, you know, this is me, right? However, tomorrow, <laughs> when I go home tonight, drive home, back up to the hills, to the farm, and in the morning I'll put my wellies on, my boots, and my waterproofs, and I'll venture out into the, into the, into the fields to look after my animals because they have to be looked after. I'm as equally in love and I'm as equally at home there as I am here tonight. Um, and it's just how I am. That's my makeup. And they both thrive off each other. If I didn't, if I didn't have this that we're listening to now, the farm wouldn't be as as rewarding and as um, and as mending, if you if you get me. It's so, very so it's a therapeutic thing to going to being the farmer and the music guy. Yeah, very much so. The farm. See, everybody thought that was a joke. We always thought that was a joke back in the day. Yeah, I know. Listen here. It was serious. Come on, you have to think about it for a second. I used to say he's a sheep farmer. That's uh, the Steve I know. <laughs> Steve, I know. Steve, I know yeah. could have a good night out and knows how to throw one of the best events in the UK. That's how I saw it. No, listen, I, no. I, I mean, there was no falseness about it. Um, yeah. I breed, I breed sheep. I love sheep. <laughs> not not in that sense, but uh, I, I like being around sheep. I love them. I like to I, – I mean, lambing, when, you know, I'm approaching a time – um, I've got a party scheduled for the 19th of March, right? Which will be our first party for two years. All right, hold on, everybody. Take a good look. Breathe that in. Green Valley. Yeah, I've even got a sheep. But, Leah, listen, there's a sheep <laughs> in the corner. There's a... <laughs> sheep are lucky. We love sheep. But, yeah, I mean, look, I've got this party, which is the first in two years, and actually Green Velvet, who was playing, actually played on the very last party we did. Um, and, um, yeah, this will be my last party before. It's my first party, but once I've done this, I'll go home, I'll put on all my farming clothes, and I'll become a farmer for a month because I'll be lambing, and I'll just have lambs born every day that I've got to look after. That's very therapeutic. It's a, it's a, it's a grounding Lenny, it's a real grounding. When you say lambing, what do you mean exactly? What What's involved with that, that type of work? What, what are we talking about exactly? Well, you've got a field and it's full of sheep that are heavily pregnant. Oh, right? okay. And what they do, they give birth to lambs, their baby sheep. It's called a lamb. So if they're left to, the, to their own devices, right, a lot of lambs, Die, they don't. They, it's cold, it's wet. They don't come out right. They can come backwards. They'll suffocate. The mothers will lie on them. Anything that can happen, can happen. But you have a responsibility, and if you've got these animals that are uh, that you're responsible for, you've got a duty to be there to care for them, to feed them, to look after them. I am the shepherd. I am the. I'm just about ready to say that. I just about ready to say that next part because it sounds like a church with a lamb of God in a sense. So as we always say, the lamb. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And, good shepherd. And, and my sheep and my flock, and they have to look after them. It's it's. I'm not being funny, but 
but the, you, have, you have a responsibility. Listen, it's the same. You, it's the same. Although it's miles apart, it's just the same. I'm the same man, right? However, and my same, the same principles are the same, right? But they're just directed in different directions. And I have to have them both because I function. I function better if I've got both. And that's been the that's I suppose the ultimate Gemini. And and listen, I I I've, I'm at home equally in each position in each part of my life. I'm equally at home. Does that sound? You've got to. I suppose the only way you can get your head round it is to live it and be it. And I consider myself. I think I'm very very lucky that. I've got both elements because I'll ultimately end up being a farmer because when I get, I mean, I'm knocking on a bit now, you know, I'm not, I've been doing this for 30 years, Lenny. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not just starting out. In wait, wait. How did you find the farming originally? What was the, cause you said you did a lot of different jobs. What led you to being a sheep farmer? I, from being a, from, from being a little kid, from being a little kid, when people used to ask you, I'm sure they used to ask you, what do you want to do when you grow up, right? I'm sure they asked you. I always used to say, I want to be a farmer. I always had animals around me, right? When I was a little kid, I had rabbits, had mice. Any animal that you could have, I've had. And I felt a connection with them. I, there's, all, there's no lying in animals. They're all honest. Animals don't look at you in, a, in any other way than a true way. What they want, they really want. And what, how they behave is how they really behave. Do you get me? There's an honesty in it all. Sure. Right? I get it. And um, and I thrive off that. I thrive off that. And I also get lost in it. That might be hard to understand. When you're in a club and you've got hundreds of people around you and you're part of it all, right, you're part of the mass, so you're not an individual. Right. And I enjoy being part of that mass. But when I'm on the farm, it's just me and the elements and the animals. And I'm very much on my own. And I, I enjoy that in my life. I have to have both. To balance. It makes total sense. It's balance. You know what's funny? It's both the same but different. Because in the club, it's like having people like sheep in a way. Many, many. And you're bringing them all together. Yeah. I'm looking after. You have to look at you. Listen here. You have to have a you have a responsibility to look after each and every 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 individual and your whole purpose. It gets goes back to that. It's not about the counting the money at the end of the night. It's about it's not about that. It's about 
creating that atmosphere and giving all those people that's put faith and trust into your dream and want to be part of that, it's about you giving them that experience. That's 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 just the same. It's the same. It's it's about looking after people and making sure that they have a good time in the way that I look after those woolly things at home and care for them and make sure they're happy and look after them. And <laughs> that's not saying people are sheep because I'm not saying that at all, but it's the same principle that you have to care for the people that come through the door, haven't you? Yeah. You have to care. But that's where we're going to go now. We're fabric. Like, you know, you're bringing everybody together at fabric. Which well, we did. I, look, I wanted, we didn't do anything. When we finished Hard Times in 19, would it be 96? Is it that long? 96, I finished that. 96, I decided that I'd come to the end of that, that chapter. And I basically went back. And I just did farming from 96. Did a few bits and bats. But in 95, then in, in 2005, right, I got asked if I wanted to do... I kept getting asked, did I want to do events? Do I want to do an event? Do I want to do an event? And I kept saying, no, I feel I wanted to. I thought the industry had moved on, to be fair. I thought that new people had come through and, and um, yeah, I didn't think that – I didn't want to go down memory lane. I didn't want to trip down memory lane either. I thought, you know, I'd, I'd spent my whole history pioneering and I didn't want to go from that to becoming a trip. I didn't want to be all our yesterdays. You get that, don't you? Sure, sure. You want to do that, so I set, kept saying no, and I kept saying no, I don't want to. But then I got asked, and um, well, how many no's did you give before you gave that yes? Lots of no's. You have to understand that you you must have been asked loads and loads of times. We got asked. We got asked every. Oh, Steve, come on, let's do a party, Steve. No, we got lost, asked <laughs> numerous, numerous times. When are you going to bring it back? Clubs. No. You fancy hosting tonight? Go on, come back. We'll make it worth your while. But I just felt that I just felt that musically it wasn't right. But what I used to do, I used to come down and see. I used to drive down into come off the farm and drive down the country to where my mum lived. Right? Where's that exactly? What town? Near where we started in West Yorkshire. My mum lived in West Yorkshire. And um, I had a daughter as well who lived in West Yorkshire. I used to drive down to see them both, right? I picked my daughter up from school um, and then I'd drive to see my mum so we could have our tea with my mum and my mum got to see my little girl. And, um, and I used to do that religiously every Friday. And then I'd drive home. And driving home, I'd listen to Radio 1. And in the beginning, I couldn't relate to the music, but over a, there became a time when I was driving back, listening to Radio 1, the music was changing. And when I was driving back, listening to Annie Mack, right, on Radio 1, I was starting to hear the vocals. The vocals were coming back, mm. right? And I thought, 
my God, it's coming round. It's actually coming back round to where we were yep. when we finished. So I could relate to the music, and to be fair, the music, I was listening to remixes of tracks that we did and we'd, we'd played first time round, right? So I could relate to these new tracks, but they weren't new. They were, they were tracks that I did 10, 15 years ago, right? So obviously I connected with them and I kept connecting to more and more. And I thought, well, maybe. And I got a feeling, I got a feeling inside. I just thought, yeah, maybe it's time. Do I want to do another series of events? Do I want another chapter? Is the book written and finished and put on a shelf or, or is there another chapter? And, um, and I just thought, yeah, I think there is. I'm not too old. The music's come round. And um, and so when I got asked again, and I got asked by um, the people who have a venue in Leeds called The Warehouse, and it's it's um, it's a good venue, just a nice size, and a proper club, not glitzy, not flashing lights, although, yeah, not, you know, not glitzy, not, not, it's a club, a dance club, and has been for many years. So I thought the club's right. I got asked. And I said, you'd say yes straight away. And I said, well, it depends on depends on a number of things. It depends on I mean, listen, we now got social media. In the 15 years I've been asleep on the farm, and I'm being asleep, but asleep to clubbing, right? Social media had become to the forefront. So we I didn't even know about social media. Didn't even have a Facebook account, right? Or a Twitter or an Instagram. Didn't have any of it. I I had sheep. So so I said, well, someone's gonna have to help me. Um, because I'm not, you know, I'm not into pressing buttons. I don't know about it. I'm not not I'm, you know, I'm not, I don't know what to do to promote. Give me some flyers. Yeah, but as far as pressing buttons, and I've no idea. So I said, you'll have to give me somebody to help me. And he said, yeah, we'll do that. I said, and as far as design, I'll need, I'll need someone to help with the design. And they said, yeah, well, we've got a lad called Nathan, Nathan Parker, who became, has become a good friend, and I'm hoping he's listening. And So, yeah, I went to the office of this club, the warehouse, and, and Nathan was there. And, and then there's a guy, Mark Crookshank, who... who um, who does the um, social media and all the invitations. And, and they thought I were just, you know, they, they laughed and they thought I were just an old dinosaur out of the hills. And they didn't even know what we were trying to do, but they listened to what we were doing. And then I made contact and I went and I spoke to David Morales, to be fair. Oh, let's go. David, David, I'm thinking about doing a party. Um, will you? Um, yeah, there we are. And it was it was the weekend of my birthday as well, so I thought, yeah, um, will you come and play? Which obviously he said, yeah, and um, so yeah, we set about we put the artwork together, and um, and then we did a Facebook account which I'd never had before. That that's the picture of David projected on the wall, and that, that's the tree, a natural tree. I love that image. I love that image. 
So David came over and, and we did an interview in the hotel and we talked about our times and David talked about him coming back and him playing for us first time round. And, and um, listen, if it hadn't have been a success, there wouldn't have been another. But it was. And they came again. And the dream became reality once again. And we had the night, the first night, for many, many years, the warehouse was packed. And the two young lads, Nathan and Mark, they just stood in awe and went, you've done it. <laughs> I said, of course I've done it. <laughs> but if I'm honest, I didn't know, I had no idea. And it was as near to, to being in that position of that very first night all over again. And... Um, and to stand and see the club full, there were old faces, right, from our early years that came out again. But they were with the sons and the daughters, right? And new faces and people I'd never seen before, all wanting to witness this hard times experience that they'd heard about. And it were a, and, and yeah, it was a brilliant night, a brilliant night. And obviously, yeah, the bug, the bug. Came back. Still there. And then I organised another, and obviously with Kenny. And then I organised another with Louis. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, they were all the same. I mean, look, listen. Um, there were no glitter box. They hadn't started again. And, the, and, 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 and all these nights that have all since come back and what have you. Um, you know, we... We were the first again to retrace our steps and and kickstart the um, the hard times experience. Mm. And um, all the everybody that came all said the same that it was the time the industry had come all the way around. And um, and that's the way it is. That's the way music, you know, music has a way of coming back round on itself, and it did. I'm happy to say, and, and and I've had another nearly 10, I've had another chapter, what, if we start in what, was it 2007 I said, yeah, was that 2007? Well, 96 well, you stopped, then you came back in 06. Yeah. 07. Yeah. And we've kept going. We've kept going since then. We've obviously had the two years off for COVID, right? But we now find ourselves in... This is our 30th year, by the way, Lenny. This is our 30th anniversary will be this August. Congratulations. So, yeah, we've done we've done another... Um, to come off the hill after being asleep for since 1976 till 10 years, we've nearly had another 10... We've, our, sec, our, our, our last chapter... Has has been as long as some clubs as regular club, regular clubs. Yeah, and this has been our last chapter, and I and I will say this that it's been just we've we've been very careful what we've done, and sometimes I've, I mean, listen, Abitha, um, Abitha could have been a total disaster. Um, I mean, I went to the first one and it was brilliant. And I went to the second one, and it was pretty dire. And the third one 
was pretty dire, right? And I felt it. You listen, I, I've I've enjoyed success in, a, and when I say success, I mean full clubs of euphoric people all having a good time. Again, I'm not on about the money at the end of the night. That's not how I measure success, right? Um, so to go to Ibiza and struggle, which we did, right? Um, I felt it very painful. Sure. As you as you would. Of course. But look at it, and we got through the season, and gradually, the fourth night and the fifth night built a little bit, and it built a little bit. We finished on a real high, right? We came away, and I thought, well, we've done it. We've done it. Um, but then, it's funny, I spoke to... Um, I spoke to someone who has a very, very, very successful night in Ibiza now, someone who I've known from my very first existence with dance music, right? Um, and he told me that his first season, there were some weeks that there's only 75 people. Yeah. And, he's, and, he, and so I came away and thought, well, maybe we didn't just do as bad. Someone, someone once asked me to describe it, and I said, well, in... If you related it to a film, it would be the good, the bad, and the ugly. There are some very good ones, some not so bad ones, and some downright ugly ones. That you want to forget. <laughs> you want to forget. Exactly. But but look, we got to the end of the film, and um, and actually, in our thirtieth year, right, there are now talks in progress for us to go back this year although it would be different to five years ago when I went for the first time, it would be a little bit of a different way of doing it. We wouldn't be taking on a big club like, um, like Privilege. Um, what I want to try and do, I want to try, in the same way that the music's come round full circle, I'd like hard times to come round full circle, and I'm going to try in my in the thirtieth year to near as I can recreate those early years in our history, those those intimate club nights that are special, um, where I bring DJs together that you wouldn't normally associate playing together, mm. that that are unique nights. Um, I've got an advert, a famous advert, where where there's a, a refer to the tin that's like the clubs as being like supermarkets where they're just big spaces and the DJs that are playing are just predictable. The DJs that you know will fill big spaces. They're not necessarily going to do anything out of the ordinary. And I'm not being critical because that, that's how some clubs are. But... They're not going to bring anything individual and unique because if they did, they wouldn't appeal to the numbers that they need to appeal to to fill the clubs to make it financially worthwhile. Sure. Whereas the nights that I want to put on, I want to come full circle and do those intimate nights where they are a bit special, they are a bit unique, they are a little bit musically different. Mm -hmm. um, but those are the most rewarding when they work, you know, Lenny, because 
because you're going on, it's the same as a producer threading different genres of music to put a record together. Sure. As a, as a, as a promoter, we do just the same if we're clever. We try and thread different musical genres through different DJs mm -hmm. and try and put a unique night together. Yep. In the same way as a producer tries to put a record together, we try and put a night together. When you bring in different musical genres through different DJs and you're putting them together to get one ultimate and one unique result, when it works, that's a bit special. That's very rewarding. Well, you know what? I also know it's a big task, too. There's a lot of work involved putting it all together. It's not that easy. You make it sound mystical and very magical, like a, like a moment in Disney World. But behind, the scenes, but behind the scenes is also a lot of stress. And you know... Yeah. Lenny, we put... Listen, 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 listen. You would not believe the bad press. When I did this, right, I put the godfather, the, the, the man, right, Frankie Knuckles, who, who, who is Mr. House Music, in my opinion, right? Frankie Knuckles. Mm -hmm. He represents house music. Still to this day, God rest his soul, right? Yeah. I had, they called me, they said it was audacious. How could I? At the time, there was a new music scene came out of London called Speed Garage. Oh, right? oh Speed yeah. Speed Garage. The two figures, I mean, the lovely people, Tough Jam. Matt Jam Lamont, Carl Tough Enough Brown. Tough Jam. Very clever lads, by the way, right? Oh, yeah. At the forefront of this new scene. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the purest house heads, right? You know, paid no homage to it. But listen, this is a new, this is music. It's still music. It might not appeal to you, but this is still music. It's a, it's a, a progress. It's an extension. I put Frankie Knuckles and Tough Jam on the same bill. I got hate mail. <laughs> How can you do this? How can you do this? How dare you? How, How dare you? How dare you do this? Think of the music. Think of the think of this. Think of Frankie Knuckles. What are you gonna do? How can you do it? Tell you what, one of the best nights we've ever put together in our lives. Do you know why? Because they were clever enough. Well, Frankie, Frankie did his thing, but he kept, but we but we spoke about it after, and he said, I'll tell you what it is, Stephen. He said, What you've done, right, is so adventurous, so pioneering, but it worked because music has a way of finding a way. It has a way of working. It found it, it found its own way. It gelled. Mm -hmm. and it made a unique ultimate experience. Did they go off on one? Did they? Oh, no way. I spoke to Matt. I mean, listen, I've got it recorded. I've actually got the tapes, and one day I'm going to get them digitally downloaded and play them, right? Got the night recorded on tape. 
unbelievable. What a record it makes. It's the blending of two musical styles of the same principles, but just a little bit different direction. But by but they but they, they found each other and they made whoa, what a night. What a night. And, and, and that to me is that to me is is something special. Totally something very special. Well, we can't thank you enough. I mean, you have more an adventure ahead of you. You have your party with Green Velvet coming up. I've had listen here. I mean, listen, Green Velvet, Curtis, um, Kashmir. A lot of these, a lot of young'uns, right, youngsters, don't even know Kashmir is Green Velvet. I know. They've no idea. But he is. Well, the last time he came and played for Hard Times, um, again, it enables us to... Look, it's like this, right? This has been cleverly put together, by the way, because if you look at the artwork, you'll also see that our original residents, Miles Allway and Elliot Eastwick, are making a re reappearance, and that other people who are total Hard Times are also evident on this bill. Mm -hmm. So the same principle will apply. But what happens is this. If 500 people, well, there'll be, actually, there'll be a lot. It, this is a sell, it's sold out, this event, by the way. It'll be an amazing event. It's at Mint Festival. Sorry, at Mint, the people behind Mint Festival. It's at Mint Warehouse. The best warehouse, the best venue in Leeds by far. And, 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 and it's looked after by a good friend of mine, Stuart, uh, for Scythe, Foz, and the, the man behind it is a very, very good friend of mine. He's the man behind Mint Festival and Newsham Park. and He's a visionary like myself, and we connect on so many levels. And, and, and he's given me this opportunity. But look at it like this, right? If a 1,000 people come to that night to listen to Green Velvet, right, I know that throughout the course of that night, they'll hear Green Velvet, but they'll also hear Kashmir. And if only 5% of them go home listening and have been introduced to the Heart Times experience and right. come back next time, I've done my job. Yeah, totally. Job so if you, don't, if you don't step forward in new directions and allow people to witness then you'll just you'll just stay in that same little circle never progressing because you fear too too frightened to step out you never had that fear another perfect example of i mean listen we've got we've got some amazing events planned for this 30th year we'll be back in ibiza we're going to come to new york lenny i mean here I've worked with nearly every DJ producer from New York. If I do not return the respect and come back and me come there to you, right, then am I not going to do it? No, I'm not not going to do it. I'm going to do it. I will be in New York this year. I'll be in Chicago this year. Good. I'll be in San Francisco and Miami this year. I'll be back in London this year, and um, 
and I've got some amazing tracks that I'm going to release this year. Excellent. So we've got lots of things coming, yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations on three decades of clubbing excellence. Hard times is a benchmark. And tonight we were able to really hear your inner feelings on everything, which is not something we normally get to hear. We've seen what you provide us through pictures and the nights that you have done at the clubs, but we've never really heard you speak about it like this. You know, and it's wonderful that you took the time to spend on, on Trout Stories. I can't thank you enough. I've enjoyed, I, I listen, I said in the beginning, thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, and thank you for telling you the story. And thank you for having me as one of the guests as well in hard times. You'll be back, Lenny. We will return our our the next time we meet, right? I'll shake your hand before you go and spin records. Oh. <laughs> then you'll probably hug me. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. No, yeah, hug us, as you always do. But, but it is a wonderful feeling to know that, you know, you still have the passion for it, Steve. It's great. It's amazing. You know, there's so many of our people lost the passion and no longer around, and you're still there with the passion that you said, like you said, the balancing act. I love my farming, and I love the club. It's a great combo. Everyone remember, Bum Rush Mint Warehouse, keep going and watch all his dates that Hard Times is putting up. He's back better than ever for the 30th year. And on that note, Steve Rains, if I could take my hat off, I don't have my hat, but I will say here's my hat. Thank you again for such a wonderful story. Don't leave us. And next one coming up, everyone. The Gallery, Studio 54, Nikki Ciano's coming on and tell Ooh. him the story. Nikki Ciano. Nikki said, Lenny, I'll definitely do it. He's on the next one. I'll be advertising that for March. We have some great guests. And, of course, we're going to be doing the Twitch. I'm going to announce the date that we're going to do it on. I'm going to be doing the True House Stories Takeover. And that's it for me for now. So, ta-ta. Good night. Avita. Everyone, and thank you.